right. Uh, let's see if we've got a uh, we've got a sound check. It look, looks like uh, life's already out there. All righty, righty. Hey, good morning, Fritz Berger, BloodandFaith.com. It's Sunday morning. Last week we finished up uh, the Book of Judges, and this morning we start talking about the Book of Ruth. The Book of Ruth took took place during the time of the Judges. So as you as you think about Judges, uh, think in the context of of uh, or as we talk about the Book of Ruth, think about the context of uh, the Judges. So we we learned about David, we are Samson, and we learned about uh, um, Gideon. And we learned about Elon and uh, Eglon, excuse me, King Eglon, the fat guy that was killed. And, and we had a situation in in the in the Canaan, now the land of Israel, and uh, there was no king, and the tribes were largely independent, self sufficient, uh, self governing, and uh, they they were you know they had their ups and downs, but that that was going on. So fast forward to the Book of Ruth. And we have a situation in the territory of the tribe of Judah, around Bethlehem, around Jerusalem, in that area. This is before, long before David was a king. This is during the time of the judges. So this is before Samuel, before Saul, the, the king, before King David, or any of that. Uh, and uh, there was a famine in the land, and a guy by the name of Eli Moloch, we're going to study names here in a little bit, he said, look, things are bad here. We're going to go over. We're going to head east. We're going to go to the land of Moab. Now, when you, when you, when you learn about, you know, well, this land is that land, that land is that. It's, the, it's named after somebody. So when Israel went into the land of Canaan, it was Canaan's land. It was the land of Canaan's descendants. Israel was Israel. It was Jacob. It was a person. These aren't uh, identity-less uh, artificial entities. It's based on blood. It's all based on blood. Blood and land. Blood and land. Blood and soil. Blood, soil, and faith. Bloodandfaith.com. And so when they went, when the, the sons of Israel, it's called Israel because of Jacob. And he wrestled with Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus said, hey, your name's no longer Jacob. It's now Israel. So when you talk about the people of Israel, it's the people of Jacob in the Bible. The, the current political entity that exists in the Middle East, I can't, there's no relation. There's no relation between him and, and the ancient uh, king, the ancient patriarch Israel. The ancient patriarch Israel worshipped Jesus Christ. Those people that call themselves Jews today, and are not, part of a synagogue of Satan, they got nothing to do with that. They don't... They, Utterly, profoundly reject Jesus Christ. Why does it always come down to this? Well, it, this is the story. This is the this is the gospel. This is the holy scriptures. Talks about Israel. Talks about ancient Israel and the twelve tribes of a man named Jacob who was renamed Israel, and they worshipped and served Jesus Christ. Then two thousand years ago, when Jesus Christ shows up, they they had rejected Jesus Christ, obviously. So there's a famine in the land, and a guy named Eli Moloch. Eli Moloch, Moloch can be translated Lord. Uh, obviously, there's the demonic entity named Moloch where people sacrifice their children to Satan. And that's obviously uh, not a good thing. But uh, God is the Lord is perhaps Eli Moloch's name. The Lord is God. Uh, and there's a couple other characters in here. Naomi means beauty. Malin means disease. And Chilean means wasting. Ruth means sorrow, misery, or grief. And so the land of Moab, you got to remember who Moab was. Who was Moab? Moab was the son of Lot. Moab was the son of Lot. Well, how did Lot have a kid? Well, Lot was a righteous man, but he'd made some very poor choices. He more or less decided it was okay to live amongst the Sodomites, the Sodomites, an evil and wicked and disgusting people. They were also children of Canaan. 
an anti-Christ type of figure. And they were into sodomy. That's why you call sodomy sodomy, because that's what they were into. And Lot threw his lot in with them. That's where that comes from. Let's throw our lot in with them. So he Lot threw his lot in with the Sodomites, but his righteous soul was tormented. Eventually the angel shows up and says, look, we got to get you out of here. we got to get you out of here because the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, is going to rain down a firestorm upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And so they compelled him to leave. Now, this was the story when, you remember, the, 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 the young and old, young and old alike, they all came out of the city, they surrounded Lot's home. They're going to, they're going to violate the angels. Young and old, they're going to violate these angels. Angels were well able to protect themselves. Next morning, they rose up, and they got Lot out of there. And they warned Lot. He said, get your family. And, and the, he, he, they got the, the, he, he told the young men that were to marry his daughters, and they, they laughed at him. He said, you're crazy, crazy old fool. And so he grabbed his two daughters. He grabbed his wife, and they were warned, don't look back. Do not look back. Do not look back. Well, Lot's wife looked back, and she turns into a pillar of salt. And she's gone. So Lot's wife is gone. Lot is utterly terrified. He's like, oh, my God, this is worse than I even expected. So Lot, you know, he, he moves on up into the hills, and he says, we've got to get out of here. So he's up in the hills, and the daughters say, look, you know, we're, we're lonely, and we're not going to have any men because Dad has made the decisions he's made. The Almighty God has destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. We don't know where to go. Apparently the, um, the cultural norms of Sodom and Gomorrah flowed into Lot's daughters, they saw what happened in Sodom and what was normal in Sodom and Gomorrah. This is why the young and old is so important in Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is what we're doing to our children today in 2023 in the United States of America and Canada and Australia and New Zealand and in Europe. We're telling the little kids it's okay to do sodomy. It's okay to do sodomy. They're teaching this in grade schools and nobody asked for this. Nobody asked for this stuff. Nobody went to the school district and says, please teach sodomy to our kids. And that's what's going on right now. Nobody asked for this stuff. Where does it come from? It comes from the synagogue of Satan. It comes from the seed of the serpent. It comes from Satan himself. And how, who does he work through? He works through his children. I'm trying to make a, a link there. It's not some mysterious spirit in the sky. He works through the devil. Works through people. He works through his chosen people. He works through his chosen race. He works through his synagogue, the synagogue of Satan. So you're seeing a repeat today in the United States of America. What happened in, in Sodom? Even the children were infected with this stuff. Well, how does that apply to this book of Ruth? Well, I'll tell you how it applies to the book of Ruth. We've got to figure out where Moab came from. Ruth's a Moabitess. Ruth is from uh, uh, the loins of Moab. Who was Moab? Moab was the son of Lot. He had two sons by his daughters. <laughs> I know, I know, it's crazy. What kind of family values did the, the daughters of Lot learn in Sodom and Gomorrah? I've never heard of this before. I think this is the only time I'd have to think really hard. So they're sleeping with their biological daddy, and they give birth to two men who become the father of evil, anti-Christ nations, Ammon and Moab, Ammonites and the Moabites. Where was Moab? It was east of the Jordan River. It was from the land of Moab that uh, Joshua took the armies of Israel across the river, and they attacked Jericho. So they crossed the river from the land of Moab into the land of Canaan, and they attacked Jericho. All right, so this is this is what where Moab Moab is. Okay, Moab is 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 the offspring of Lot through his daughter. Now keep in mind these people are racially very close to the sons of Israel. Abraham, Abraham has a, a nephew named Lot. Lot probably married a close relative. So racially, they're not far off. They're by no means the chosen people, but they are, they are similar. Obviously, uh, Lot uh, reproduces with somebody racially pretty much identical to himself, his daughter. And so you have the Ammonites and the Moabites, both wicked people. They served Chemosh, they served Moloch, they served, uh, they served Satan. Essentially, they served Satan, which is, is, it has come to, to pass in the United States as well. In fact, we, we've done worse than that. 
and I've mentioned that, I've talked about that a little bit, we've set up a new God, new gods. Uh, we worship and serve the, the, the creation rather than the creator. And the fourth beast is different than all the other th three beasts. We've talked about that. And there's no traditional king. And we put man inside the temple and worship him as a god. Anyway, so Moab is the land. It's to the east of the Jordan. It's the land from which the sons of Israel invaded the land of Canaan. Uh, it is Moab is the son of Lot by his daughter. They were an antichrist, devil-worshipping people. Eli Moloch, hey, things aren't going well here. He was a son of Judah. Things aren't going well here. So they move to the east. They cross the Jordan in the wrong direction. They go in the wrong direction. And they go over and they live in the land of Moab. He takes his wife, Naomi, with him. Naomi means beautiful. I'm assuming Naomi was a beauty. Her name was beautiful. And we've studied before how, how the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were, were beautiful people. They were beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous people. And we remember that about David. We remember that about Moses. Even Job's daughters. They were physically gorgeous people. Handsome, beautiful. There's no reason to think that uh, Lot, being a very close relative of Abraham, uh, did not reproduce beautiful children as well. So Eli Moloch goes east, takes his wife, Naomi, takes his two kids, Malin and Chilion. Malin means disease. Chilion means wasting. So what happened to them? Why did these kids die? They, these two, well, let's put it this way. Eli Moloch dies. Um, Naomi takes uh, some women, a couple gals, for her sons to be wives. It looks to me like these two young men had diseases, disease and wasting. They do not reproduce. They do not have kids. And eventually, Malin and Chilean both die. They both die. So who's left? Naomi's left. Eli Moloch's dead. Chilean's dead. Malin's dead. They all die. All the men die. All the men folk die. Naomi's over there by herself with her two now, widowed daughters-in-law. All right? And they're living in the land that belonged to one of Lot's sons named Moab. Now, the Moabites were not good people. I would remind you of what the Holy Scriptures say about Moab. First of all, Deuteronomy 2, verse 9. Do not attack Moab. This is what he tells to the sons of Israel. Nor provoke them to war, because I have given R to the sons of Lot as a possession. So there you go. I've given R to the sons of Lot. Who are the sons of Lot? Ammon and Moab. And he told the sons of Israel, don't attack their land. Don't take their land. I've given this lot to the, this land to them. God's given lands to people that will never be Christian peoples. Let them have it. I don't understand it. I don't know it. I hope they convert, but they probably never will. Sooner or later, the judge is going to come, and we're going to see this here in the Scriptures, and a, a, a king will arise, and he'll smite Moab on the head, and, and, and Jesus Christ will destroy the nations that won't serve him. Well, for the time being, God instructs the sons of Israel, don't attack Moab. I've given that land to them. Gave that land to the sons of Lot. But he gave the land of Canaan to the sons of Israel. All right, so let, let the pagan nations have their pagan ways. I don't need to go in there and convert them. I go there and convert them. I go and preach the gospel to them. And what happens when they reject it? You wipe the dust off your feet and turn around and walk away. That's what Paul did. Paul went, he finally got, had enough with the Jews. And he says, look, I'm, I'm done with you people. I'm done with you all. And he left. He says, from now on, I'm Gentiles. From now on, I'm going to the Europeans. And he turned away. And, and there's no reason that can't be the case with modern uh, uh, evangelism. You go and you preach the word and say, you don't want it? Fine. Boom. Done. We're going to go back and we're going to build our own Christian nation with our kin and kith. Now, it'd be nice if the Chinese converted. Apparently, there's 100 million Christians there. I, I wouldn't know. That's what I read. Apparently, there's a great many Christians in Africa. 
But as a civilization, they never converted. As a civilization, the Asians never converted, even though there's many Christians in many different places. Do you hear about them in Philippines and South Korea? And, and a troublesome church in China, which is wonderful. It's good for them to be troublesome. That's the only kind of church that can be is a troublesome church. If the church is not troublesome to a pagan uh, government, then there's problems with the church. You didn't know there was this much in, in the book of Ruth, did you? Moab. Okay, Moab. Balaam, the false prophet, came out of Moab. Remember that? All right, they hired him to curse the sons of Israel. Moab hired Balaam to curse the sons of Israel. So this was a people that was at enmity with the people of God. Yet it's prophesied that a scepter shall rise from Israel and shall smash the forehead of Moab. That's Numbers 24, verse 17. I remember in Numbers 25 that the people began committing infidelity with the daughters of Moab. They weren't supposed to be committing infidelity with the daughters of Moab, but they were. So this is not a favored people. It's not just a physical place. It's the descendants of Lot through his son Moab. Now, Naomi says, oh my goodness, life sucks for me. My husband died. The oldest son dies. The other son dies. And I got nothing. What am I doing here? I'm going to go back to the land of my ancestors. Reverse migration, call it what you want. So she says, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. And uh, here's the story. So she departed from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find a rest, each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And yet they said to her, No, but we will surely return with you to your people. Naomi says to her daughter-in-laws, her two daughter-in-laws, and there's always two. There's many, many times in the Bible there's two. There's two thieves on the cross besides Jesus Christ. One repented and one did not. Naomi has uh, two daughters-in-laws. One followed her, one did not. There's two sons of Isaac. There's Jacob and there's Esau. One served God, one did not. Abraham has two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. One, uh, one was a covenant people, one was not. Many times you see two, and then one makes a choice. I'm going to, I'm going to go serve God. Now, I suspect, and, and I've said this before, that there's two people amongst the 12 that could have made... I don't know. I won't even say that. Anyway, Judas Iscariot, he turned back. He said, no, I'm not going to go that way. People have a choice. People make choices all the time. And, and, and Judas says, I'm not serving God. I'm not serving Jesus Christ. I'm going to stick with my, my blood, my people. All right? Now, Naomi says, Return, my daughters, why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? In other words, are you going to wait for me to get pregnant again and have my sons grow up, and, and then you're going to marry my sons when you're old ladies? Return, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, I should, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? <laughs> Excuse me. Would you therefore wait until they were, gro were grown? Would you? No, my daughters. Would you refrain from marrying? No. For it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. Now, this is a good story for me, too, because <laughs> it's, I'm sure Naomi said, man, I, you know, I've tried to do everything right in life, and my life sucks. My husband died. My two sons died. I'm living in a land of foreigners. What, what's going on here? Why, woe is me, for the hand of the Lord has truly gone against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth, Ruth clung to her. Okay, you got the two. two. Making two different choices. 
And then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her, her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth says, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people. And your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I shall be buried. Thus may the Lord God do to me, and worse if anything but death parts between you and me. And when she saw that she was determined to go, she said no more to her. So they both came, and they went to Bethlehem. All right, a couple, couple points here. First of all, Orpah. Let's talk about Orpah. She returns back. Now, tradition has it that she becomes the mother of Goliath. I kid you not. Let's see if I can find it here. She becomes the mother of Goliath. All right. She goes back to her people, back to her gods, Chemosh. Marries somebody. I'm sure she was a good-looking woman. I'm convinced that she, they were beautiful women. No doubt in my mind, with Lot as her father. And, and, and well, <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced that they were beautiful people. And so somebody picked her out and said, you're going to be my wife. She married into a land, uh, in, into a line of the giants, a line, into the line of the Rephaim. And one of her descendants becomes Goliath. Interesting. Whom King David then slays. David, the, the, the shepherd, slays, and then he becomes king. Now, on the point of immigration, if you're going to have immigration into your country, this is how it's going to work. One, you need a sponsor who's already a member of the nation, not a, a, a distant member of the nation. That, but No, so, so Naomi is part of the tribe of Israel, part of the nation of Israel, part of the tribe of Judah. And she is essentially sponsoring her blood relative, her daughter-in-law. And what is the attitude of the daughter-in-law? Well, I'm going to come over there and I'm going to be unique. I'm going to be diverse. I'm going to bring my culture to culturally enrich you. Was that what happened? No, that's not what happened. That's the complete opposite of what happened. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Okay, so you want to have any immigration into our lands, our European and Christian lands? First of all, she was uh, uh, she was racially very very close. She was uh, the the daughter of Lot, who was uh, Abraham's nephew. Second of all, she says, "I will give up all all of my former culture and my 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 my." Other relatives, I will give up my religion and my gods, and your God shall be my God. So you start, you're going to start, if you want to start bringing people into a European and Christian lands, uh, racially similar, and our God, that our God has to become their God. They have to give up, forget the cultural diversity stuff. Here's an immigrant. Jesus, I'm going to leave my people. Your God shall be my God. Your people shall be my people. She's not going to identify with her ancestral peoples. She's going to say, I'm, I'm going to become one with you. I'm going to serve your God, and your people will become my people. That's, a, that's an immigrant right there. Otherwise, you get problems, which we have in the United States today. Where you die, I will die, there, where I, where, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts between you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go, she said no more. So they both went to Bethlehem. And when they had come to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred up because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? And she says to them, do not call me Naomi, which means beautiful. Call me Mara, which means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt... very bitterly with me. I went out full. She went out with her husband. She went out with her uh, two boys. She got daughter-in-laws for him. She went out full, but the Lord has brought me back utterly empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has witnessed against me. Since the Lord has witnessed against me. And since the Almighty has afflicted me. Ever feel that way? Any any bitterness in, in Naomi's heart? <laughs> she says, don't call me beautiful, call me bitter. He says, God has been against me. I went up full, I've come back empty. 
She was bitter. And she said, God's hand has been against me. It's hard. It's hard, 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 hard. And, you know, you look at the story of Joseph, and I, I, can't, I can't explain that. You look at the story of Jeremiah. You look at the story of Job. I can't explain why they had to go through what they did, but they did. They had to. Why did Jesus Christ, the perfect man, have to go through what he went through? He, but he did. But he did. So Naomi returned with, her, with Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem and at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Eli Moloch, whose name was Boaz. All right, so a relative. So Boaz is a relative of Eli Moloch. He's rich. Rich guy. To be rich. I like being rich. Well, I like the idea of being rich. I don't know what it's like, but it's nice. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I may find favor. Go, my daughter. Okay, gleaning. What's gleaning? Anybody know what gleaning is? Gleaning is... Well, let me read you what gleaning is. Let's, we have to go to... Leviticus 19, verse 9. Now, when you reap the harvest, so we're talking to an agricultural community where they you know, they're growing wheat and barley and, and apples and grapes and all that good stuff. Now, when you reap the harvest of the land, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, nor shall you glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather the fallen fruit of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the needy and the stranger. I am the Lord thy God. When you're harvesting your crops, don't go corner to corner and get every last thing. Leave some there for the poor and the needy. Leave some there for the needy and for the stranger, the alien, the foreigner. If the apples fall off your tree, leave them there. Let the, let the people who got nothing go and pick them up and, and, and use that stuff. Don't get every last square inch of your wheat field. Leave some. Leave the corners out. Leave some out. Leave the, leave the gleanings out. And then don't go back and send your crew in there afterwards to get every last thing. No, leave it there so that the poor and the stranger may get it. That's what the gleanings are. I, I think it's a concept we've lost today, although I suspect that in the agricultural world, um, you have many people, the uh, uh, Amish and the Mennonites, and even just traditional white Christian people from generations understand this. And if so, they ought to be leaving the gleanings, even though you're probably not going to get people wandering down the road and, and, and picking up their apples, but still it's a principle. Now, so she departed, Ruth departs, and she went to and gleaned, the field of the, after the reapers. And she happened to come upon a portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the family of Eli Moloch. Now behold, Boaz came to Bethlehem, came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. All right? Good working relationship with his workers. They loved each other. They blessed each other. That's kind of neat. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? Very interesting. Where did she come from? Uh, who, who's that? <laughs> wonder why she said that. Maybe she noticed that she was different. Maybe he noticed that she was absolutely beautiful. I'm just guessing, based on the bloodlines I see. Why would he go by and see somebody that just was plain and ordinary and looked like everybody else, and he wouldn't stop? Who's that person? I think, he caught, I think she caught his eye. I think he said, you know what? I kind of like what I see here. Who, who's that? Who that? And the servant in charge of the reapings replied, she is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And the, and, and Ruth, and the servant said to, to uh, Boaz, he said, she said, Ruth said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from morning until now, and she has been sitting in the house for a little while. 
Then Boaz says to Ruth, listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. I don't know. She caught his eye. No, no doubt about it. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I've commanded the servants not to touch you. When you're thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants drew. Now, you got a young woman out there, and she's out there with, the, with different people. They're out there in the field. Maybe somebody wants to do a little hanky-panky with her, and, and Boaz told his servants, you don't touch this woman. You don't touch her. They're like, okay, all right. We, we won't. We'll leave her alone. <laughs> so Ruth falls on her face, bowing to the ground. And she said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? All right. She said, I'm a foreigner. Maybe she, you know, there was clear indications that she wasn't exactly the same. Boaz replied, all that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of her husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work, and your wages be full. <clears throat> Excuse me, from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Then she says, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and indeed have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I'm not like one of your maidservants. So she was clearly different. Somehow, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here, that you may eat of the bread and your piece of bread in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and she served, and he served her roasted grain. The dude was in love. The dude saw her and said, I like this gal. He's serving her roasted grain. Tells his men, don't you touch her. Tells her to hang out with the other young women. Says, drink our water, eat our food. Interesting. And he served her roasted grain, and she ate and was satisfied and had some left. When she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servants, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not insult her. She's now under his protection. Tells all his young men, so you don't touch her. You don't, you don't say a bad word to her. You shall also purposely pull out for her some grain from the bundles and leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. Okay, Boaz chose her. Chose her. He said, look, this, I, I'm choosing this one. Nobody touch her. And you pull out some extra wheat out of the bundles, and you leave it behind so that she can glean it. Don't you dare speak down to her or insult her. So she gleaned the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and that was about an ephah of barley. How much is an ephah of barley? I don't know. But it was enough for the woman to carry with her. She took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she took it out and gave Naomi what she had left after she was satisfied. Her mother-in-law then said to her, Where did you glean today? And where did you go to work? May he who took notice of you be blessed. Okay, somebody took notice of her. So she told her mother-in-law, with whom she had worked, and said, The name of the man whom I worked with today is Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Ah, may the Lord, may he be blessed of the Lord, who has not withdrawn his loving kindness to the living and to the dead. Okay? Naomi's seeing a little bit of silver lining on her dark cloud. I mean, she's bitter. She's a bitter woman. She said, she's, I went out rich. I came back with nothing. Destroyed. God hates me. She's seeming, seeing a, a glimmer of hope. Again, Naomi said to her, This man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Then Ruth the Moabite says, Furthermore, he said to me, You should stay close to my servants until they have finished the harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maids, so the others do not fall upon you in another field. Same thing. You know, 3,000 years ago, you're wandering around in, in some field near foreigner, uh, all alone and unprotected. So she stayed close to the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. 
Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? So here's Naomi. She's like, you know what? I've I, I got to take care of this gal. I've got to do my duty, do my righteous and godly duty. Um, I'm going to do, do my best for you. Now it was not Boaz our kinsman with whose maids you were. Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Boaz is going to be there tonight. Go and seek him out. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes. <laughs> make yourself pretty and smell good. Put on your nicest clothes. and Go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking, eating and drinking, eating and drinking. Let him get happy. Go down there, look all pretty, smell nice. After he's had his drinks. It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. Well, this is interesting. This is an interesting way to uh, pursue uh, a possible mantid. I've never heard of that before, except for in this story. Figure out where he's laying down. She didn't tell him. She didn't say go get you know go look all seductive. She just says you know look nice, smell nice. Get, get, you know, fix yourself up, uncover. His, and so she uncovered her feet and, and, and lay down, didn't hop, you know, I'm just saying this was, it could have been worse. And then he will tell you what to do. All that you say, she said to her mother-in-law, all that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all her mother had commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of a heap of grain, and she came in secretly and uncovered his just his feet, only uncovered his feet, just his feet. Then she lay down. It happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled and bent forward, and behold, a woman was lying at his feet. Wow. How'd you like that? Wake up, and there's this good-looking young gal. I don't know, not young. I should take that back, but a, a good-looking lady right there, kind of snuggled up down at your feet down there. The Lord has blessed me. <laughs> and he says, who are you? And she says, I'm Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for I'm a close relative. He says, may you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown the la your last kindness is better than the first by not going after the young men, whether rich or poor. So take it from this, that Boaz was not a young man anymore. He was a rich man. He was an older man. Don't know what happened to his first wife. Maybe he didn't have a first wife. And he says, you're blessed because, because now maybe this was a, a custom on, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but he says, listen, blessed are you, for you didn't go after younger men or old, rich or poor. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Okay, go read in the Proverbs. Do search in the woman of excellence in the Proverbs. And uh, a woman of excellence is a crown to her husband. And Boaz says, now it is true that I'm a close relative. However, there's a relative closer than I am. Remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you, good. Let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning and rose before one could recognize another. So she got up before dark. She snuck in, and then she snuck out. But they didn't do it. There's no hanky-panky going on uh, on either side. They're, they're trying to keep it righteous. And, and Boaz was very concerned about obeying the law to redeem the widow of his kinsman. Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. said, hey, keep this on the down low, boys. He didn't do the hanky-panky with her. He just, you know, this is the way it was. Again, he said, give me a cloak that is on you and hold it. And he held it, and she measured out six measures of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. And she came to her mother-in-law. She says, how did it go, my daughter? And he told her all the man had done. She says, she said, these six measures of barley he gave me, for he said, do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. A generous man. Boaz is a generous man. When she said, wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out. For this man will not rest until he has settled it today. 
Now, remember, there's a great deal of devastation in Eli, Eli Moloch's family line. He's dead. His two sons are dead. His, 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 his blood is cut off. Naomi says, don't, name him, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, which means bitter. And she was, you know, devastated and bitter and, and, and distraught because all that she had has been taken from her. She got nothing. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, a close relative of whom Boaz spoke was passing by. And he said, turn aside, friend, sit down. And he turned aside and he sat down. He took ten other men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the closest relative, Naomi, who came back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother, Eli Moloch. This is how it works. Okay, you don't sell your land to foreigners. You don't sell your land to foreigners. You don't sell your land to the Moabites. You don't sell your land to the Ammonites. You don't sell your land to the Egyptians or the, or the Babylonians. Or, or You don't give your land or sell your land to foreigners. Nor should we in our countries, Canada, the United States, New Zealand, Australia, uh, land of Christendom, Europe. Don't sell your land to the foreigners. Don't do it. And God had arranged a, a matter. He said, listen, you, 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 you keep the lands for yourselves. You sell it amongst yourselves. Keep it in the old in your own tribe. And so this is a way of doing it. He said, look, th this person has passed on. She has to sell the land. Uh, it's, it goes to the closest relative first. The, the closest relative has the first right of refusal. She couldn't just go and sell it to the highest bidder. Naomi could not sell her land to the highest bidder. She couldn't say, hey, you know what? There's a rich uh, Egyptian over here. I'm going to sell it to him. No, that wasn't permitted. It was illegal. It was illegal. She had to find the closest relative who had the first right of redemption, and I'm sure it was a fair market price. You had, you had, you know, you had the, uh, you know, the elders and the leaders saying, you know, this is this is just, this is right. But that doesn't mean it goes to the highest bidder. Imagine if the only guy in the market for farmland was a billionaire named Bill Gates, and all of a sudden you're getting way, 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 way more money than than it's that's it's worth for for your kith and kin that live in your county. We got a twisted system here in the United States and Canada, New Zealand, Australia, selling it to foreign powers. Canada too. You you had all these foreigners move into Vancouver. The the natives of Canada couldn't even afford to live. They have their own homes there. The the law of God has has a has a plan for that. The law of God has a plan for it. Look, you can't sell these things to foreigners. Keep it within your blood. Well, I didn't know that was in there. I know you didn't. That's why you go to bloodandfaith.com. That's why you listen to Fritz Berger. It's all in there. You didn't know about gleanings either. It's all in the law of God. You don't. It's not a free market. It's not a all across the universe. That way, you get the top one percent own ninety nine percent of the property. There's there's better ways to do it. It's blood loyalty, land loyalty, faith loyalty. And then you protect yourselves. And when you strip that away, you end up with the situation where the farmland's owned by these foreigners or by some billionaire. All right, I'm going off, but not too far. So Naomi has to sell this piece of land. So I thought to inform you, buy it right now before those sitting here and before the elders of the people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. If not, tell me that I may know there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am after you. He says, okay, I'll redeem it. That's a good deal. He wants it. Of course, of course he does. Then Boaz says, on the day that you buy the field from the land of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name for the deceased on his inheritance. Remember what the law of God said. If you, have, if, if you get married and you die, and you got no kids, you got no offspring, the, the brother has to go into her to produce offspring in your name. So that your line may not be extinguished. Imagine that. Isn't that kind of different? So if you get married and you die and you leave no sons, leave no daughters, you leave nothing. Your brother gets 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 to go in and provide offspring. So that your line is not cut off. So here's so they're just following the law. They're just following the law. It says, hey, somebody's got to go in and, and provide and, and and so so that we raise up offspring for Eli Moloch. So if you get the land, you get the girl. So that you can continue his name in Israel. So his name's not blotted out in Israel. Biological continuity is very important in the Holy Scriptures. It goes all the way back to the first 
chapter of Genesis when he said be fruitful and multiply. That was biological continuity. The church wants to spiritualize everything. Oh, it's spiritual reproduction. It's both, man. It's both. Biolo if, if there's, without biological reproduction, there is no spiritual reproduction. Biological comes first. If there's no biology there, there's no spirit there. There's no biology to get converted. There's no spiritual conversion. You've got to have somebody to get converted to, to be converted. If you, we don't reproduce as, as a race, as a nation, as a people, as, as your family, as your, as your husband, as your wife, th there's nobody to convert. We're supposed to reproduce and multiply. It's the first commandment of God. So all that's going on here is, is right out of the law of God. You're going to take Ruth the Moabitess and you're going to raise up offspring for Eli Moloch. The close relative says, I cannot redeem it for myself because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. If I do that, I'm, I'm going to lose out on, a, on another deal. Redeem it yourself that you may have the right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. Okay, so Eli Moloch, in every step of the, excuse me, Boaz, in every step of the way, he's doing the righteous thing. He didn't take the woman by force. He didn't take advantage of the situation. He went right to the, the he, he didn't say, okay, I have the right of redemption. He went to the person that had the right of redemption, and he trusted God. And, and the man says, no, nah, I can't do it. Now, this was the custom in the former times in Israel concerning the redemption and exchange of land conf to confirm any matter. Man removed his sandal and gave it to another, and this was the manner of attestation in Israel. So the closest relative said to, Bo to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses today that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Eli Moloch and all that belonged to Chilion and Malan. Moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malan, to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance, so that the name of the deceased will not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of his birthplace. You are my witnesses today. Notice, there's a way to organize society without endless bureaucrats, and endless court records, and endless paperwork, and endless lawyers. But it took men of integrity, men of honesty. You had to be honest. Your word had to be your bond. And you can, if you have that, you can build a free society. If you don't have that, you can't have a free society. You cannot have a free society unless your word is your bond and you're, you're honest and you don't lie. That, well, as, as soon as you, trans, you, you pass that, you're, you've, got, you've got a society full of scribes and Pharisees and lawyers uh, manipulating every little thing to control people. All right, all the people who are in the court and the elder says, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel. And may you achieve wealth in Ephrathah and become famous in Bethlehem. Moreover, may your house be like the house of Paris, whom Tamar bore to Judah, and through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her. And, she, and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a Redeemer today. And may His name be famous in Israel. This is the redemption of Naomi. It was the redemption of Naomi. May He also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. And the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi, and they named him Obed. And he is the father of Jesse, the father of David. So Ruth the Moabitess becomes the grandmother of King David. I suspect that when Boaz saw Ruth, she was more beautiful than all the other maidens there. Because clearly she stood out. Clearly she was different. She becomes the grandmother of King David. King David was extraordinarily handsome. Extraordinarily handsome man. He had ruddy, he had ruddy cheeks. What does that mean? Look it up. I don't want to get sidetracked.
Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. Then the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He's the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Paris. To Paris was born Hezron. To Hezron was born Ram. To Ram, Amenadab. To Amenadab was born Nation. To Nation, Salmon. To Salmon was born Boaz. And to Boaz, Obed. And to Obed was born Jesse. And to Jesse, David. Ten generations. You go back and you look at what Moses said about the Moabites. He says, No Moabites can enter in to the assembly of the Lord up to ten generations. Is that a coincidence? I think not. So there's redemption for Lot, a righteous man whose soul was tormented. There's redemption for Lot through one of his biological offsprings. Through Ruth and Moabitus, there's redemption for Lot. There's salvation for Lot's bloodline through Ruth, who clings to the race of Israel. There's redemption for Naomi, who was rightly embittered. She was embittered. She went out full, she came back empty with nothing. They shared the gleanings of another man's harvest. They shared the scraps that fell to the ground in another man's field. And she was devastated, and she had no offspring. The measure of your worth was, you know, do you have any offspring? You got any kids? I mean, how, how is it you're, you, you've gone through all this life, surely God has cursed you. you got no kids. Don't call me Naomi. Don't call me beautiful. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. So you have the kinsman redeemer who redeems Ruth, who redeems Lot, who redeems Naomi. You have an example of what immigration would look like. Close people. And whenever they come in, they're abandoning their old nation, their old people, and their old gods, and their old customs, and their old ways. You can't build a nation with by bringing foreign gods in. A beautiful story. And that, with that, we'll close out. Next week, we're going to start the journey to the kings. We're going to start with the prophet Samuel. And Samuel leads right into King Saul. And King Saul leads, leads right into King David. So that's it for now. Uh, good morning to Leif out there. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.